Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Doug Herring, and I'm a guest host here for Stan Miller on the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And today I have with me Lynette Kincaid, who is pretty amazing. She is a daytime job working with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce in Colorado Springs, as well as TEDx in Manitou Springs. And then she's an author. She's an author coach. And I'll let her tell you a little bit more about how all that works out. So Lynette, how did you get into this diverse set of skills and and decide you wanted to write a book and start where you want? First of all, I need to thank you for allowing me to be a part of this podcast. I appreciate you for that. And so just to talk a little bit about me and my story, what I do in my own business, but I write Writing Academy, I actually teach people how to write, self-publish, and sell their book. And so that's the first thing that I do. One of the things that I learned from, you know, teaching self-published authors to sell their book is the back end of that is storytelling. And so mainly what I do with the chamber, the Hispanic chamber, and also with 10X Manitou Springs is basically teaching people how to tell their stories. And mainly just you know, posting their stories out there. And so it is a diverse group. I would love to say that, but the ultimate thing is just what I do behind it is just telling a story that's already there. As you know, TEDx already has this story. TEDx, TEDx, Manitou Springs, it already has a story. And then also with the Hispanic Chamber here in Colorado, it already has its story. So you're just basically using the skills that you have to just exemplify those stories. And so that's what I do for that. But you mentioned a day job. And right now I actually work with a company that works with mentally challenged individuals. And so with that community, what I do is I act somewhat similar. I guess you could say either APS or CPS, where I go to their homes and just make sure that it's actually a safe environment for them. So I met, I literally have a day job and a day job. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I do in a nutshell. Yeah, and then you were telling me about your, uh, at least one of your books, really interesting, and I admit, I haven't read it yet, I've read about it, but it's Letters to Mom, is that the title? Yeah, so the full book title, the, the first part of it is Letters to Mom, it's very catchy, right? But the full book title is Letters to Mom, Writing to Heaven. And so I actually wrote that book 
I want to say that it was published in 2022, uh, just last year. Mm -hmm. And I wrote it when I lost my mother. My mother passed away June 2nd of 2021. And so when she passed away, I was just at a state of, okay, now what? What happens when we lose your mother? You know, and so I wrote the book, Medicine Mom. That also, losing my mother also prompted me to do more from just losing your mother. I didn't want to be like everyone else that has like, you know, a woe as me party, which is is very rightful. So when you lose a mother, it's kind of like you're at the crossroads. I was personally at a crossroads. So it's not to, you know, diminish how anyone feels when they lose parents. But for me, it prompted me to do more. And so from that, I actually became a grief certification coach. And so I put that on my resume, but I don't really, you know, brag on it as I should, but I'm actually a grief certification, a certified grief coach. And so writing the book, I wrote the book, I started writing the book one month after my mother passed away. And it just gave me almost an outlet to just be able to if you will, I was basically having an adult tantrum because mm -hmm. I couldn't believe that my mother was gone. Like, oh my goodness, like my mother who raised me, she's gone. And so I wrote through the whole process, just letting people know what it felt like from the beginning of getting that one phone call. Ironically, I had just left Texas. I'm from Texas. I don't know if I mentioned that. But I had just left Texas to see my mother. I think I saw her on a Saturday. And so we were driving. And as you know, the, te the drive from Texas to Colorado, it's like 14 hours if you drive yeah. straight. But of course, we didn't drive straight. We, you know, had a couple of rests and things like that. But by the time I got home on a Wednesday, then I was receiving the phone call that my mother was gone. And so I wanted to be able to share what that process was like for people who had ever lost a parent, especially a mother, because losing a mother is very different from losing a dad. Losing a mother is very different from losing an uncle. And so I wanted people to see through my eyes what that process was like for me. And it, for me, it, thinking back on it now, because I've had a year to grow from that book, it, it was almost just like just having a tantrum and allowing that tantrum to go out through my pen. So part of the grieving process in a way, right? I mean. Yeah, it was very, very different. But I even share for people that had never experienced what it was like, because a lot of people may not understand as far as with culture, what it's like to actually go to an African-American funeral versus, you know, a white funeral. And so I also, you know, Share with people what that process was like, what we're expected to do when it comes to burying a loved one. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted people to share that. Now, when I wrote this book, if I can be honest, when I wrote Letters to Mom, Writing to Heaven, I wrote it in a way to where people would actually understand what it's like, not only to lose a loved one, but what if you still have your loved one? I wrote it for people to understand, okay, our time is limited. We don't know when the inevitable is ever going to happen. So take that time to love on your mother if you have your mother around. You know, don't wait for birthdays. Don't wait for Mother's Day, which is what we tend to do, right? Right. You know, so I also added that in the book 
But when I wrote the book, I wrote it for, I guess it was more like, I don't want to say this to be offensive, but it was almost as if I'm a part of a club that I never asked to be a part of. You know, it's like a, almost like a, a secret society of losing your mother. Right. And so I was writing to that secret society in this book because I wrote to be descriptive. I wrote like, I felt like my mother had dropped me off at kindergarten and I'm waiting on her to pick me back up. You know how your parents drop you off the first day of school. Right. I was like, this is what it feels like, you know? So I was very descriptive in how I felt in order for people that have gone through losing a mother to be like, oh my God, this is so me. I get it. Mm -hmm. I understand. And so, yeah, that was, that was, it was, it was a journey. But it was a great outlet for me as well, because I had a chance to, you know, just say everything that I wanted to say. But I, I'm also going to write the second edition of this book, only because it's a lot of things that happen after death that a lot of people are not aware of. For example, bills that come unexpectedly, not to say that, you know, my mother didn't pay bills, but it's things that you just don't expect it. You, don't, you just okay. don't need to happen. For example, you know, my mother passed on the second of the month, but we were still, we were still responsible for where she lived. So we still had to pay a full month for a, a person that had lived there for two mm-hmm. days, right? And it's just simple things that people don't know about the afterlife. And I'm saying, you know, the bills that come with that process, um, things that may have been, um, lingering that may not have been completed, um, things that people didn't know. Um, it, it was a lot of things that I learned after my mother had passed away and I had taken care of her for the bulk of my life. So it's just like, oh my goodness, why didn't I know this? And why didn't I know that? So I think that the second book is warranted only because it's a lot of things that people not only need to know before their loved one passes away, but it's also the thing that people need to have conversations about before they lose a loved one. Money, for example, insurance policies, you know, who gets what, will, just right. liabilities, like all of that needs to just have a, a conversation. But we are so engulfed, if I can say that, we're so engulfed in loving our parents and loving people that we dare not talk about the inevitable, right? Um, Especially in the black culture. This is mm. something that we just do not do. Like, you know, it's kind of taboo. Okay. Or it's a conversation that, you know, why are you talking about that? That's so morbid. Yeah, you talk about mm. what color did you want? That's morbid. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and I, I imagine, you know, there's things like the casket you mentioned and there's things like you said, even, oh, do you have insurance life insurance so if your parents are still in a home you know is it paid off or not you might not know that as a child right because it's a question that you normally ask your parents even even, you know little things like maybe magazine subscriptions or or you know the newspaper getting delivered every day because nobody's called the newspaper company and told them to shut it off but absolutely uh, absolutely and if it's automatically paid on auto pay or something mm-hmm. like that yeah it was a lot of things that you really just don't 
acceptance of. And mm -hmm. let's just be clear, when losing a mother, it's not that you just don't think of it. Some of the things you just don't care about at that very moment. Sure. Um, and so that was one of the reasons that I am doing the second book, because I want people to understand, oh, yeah, by the way, you do need to do this. Oh, yeah, by the way, this is very important. Just an example of that. My mother wore, it's a, like an alert. So oh, okay. if something happened to her, she could just push the button and the police would be there in minutes and the ambulance and things like that. Well, when she passed away, we allowed that to go with her body. So after the funeral, they're calling and they're like, hey, we need that. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it's just certain things yeah, that you right. would expect of people to ask you for are things that you just, I, like, I literally never knew that that was the whole thing. But right. this is what I want to teach people that haven't had the experience of losing a loved one, but you still need to know this information before you lose a loved one. Yeah. So if I can tie this a little bit back to the whole issue of legacy, I mean, it sounds like your mom left a legacy in you. Yeah. And so you're part of, in a sense, you're part of her. And so what, if you think back, what were there specific things she did intentionally to make sure that you shared her values or that she knew what you wanted? Uh, that, yeah. Sorry, I didn't say that right, but I think you get. Yeah. So one of the things that my mom done, and it was just in our generation in, in general, as far as, you know, with my mom and grandparents and things like that. So one of the things that she always done, my mother was a writer. She was, she actually okay. was an educator. She had, she had taught school for over 13 to 15 years. Um, and so that's the first thing I have always been. She was a big av advocate for education. I'm now a big advocate for education. But one of the things that we've done together is writing. We were always, you know, writing. And my mother got to a point, uh, this is something that I didn't mention. My mother had the beginning stages of Alzheimer's and dementia. And so before that, she had mental issues as well, right? And so it got to a point in her life where, where I could no longer read her writing no. or I could read her writing, but the sentences didn't make sense. Right. Okay. And so it was very important for me to keep that going as far as with the legacy. Now, something that I really want, this is something that I, it's like my goal. My goal is to have a company that like by the bedside of someone that may be in like hospice. I've always wanted to hear those lasting stories in order to leave something behind for the family, because that's one thing that people forget. They forget that, you know, after they're gone, we still sometimes need marching orders. And what do we do next? And that's where I was with my mother's life. And she lived a good life, but it was still the point of what next? What do we do now? You know, she's gone. So what do we do now? It, it literally feels as if the world is going to shut down after you mm -hmm. lose a mother. That, this is how it was for me. And so I just want to create a company that people can sit and tell, you know, what they wanted, even if it's just the fact of they just want to share their life story. Because for whatever reason, even now, you know, I, all of my sons, 
are like a lot, lot older than I am mm-hmm. because I just love just sitting down, drinking coffee. I don't drink coffee, but just drinking tea with them and listening to their life and what they've done. It's just so important to me. It's like rich history, right? And so I just want to be able to do that, just sit and listen to someone people that's in hospice and just, you know, document their story and, you know, do whatever the family wants done with it, whether it's published a book or maybe it's just they want those stories but didn't know how to actually get it out of the person. So that's something that is my overall goal. Like I'm literally working towards that. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, you, I mean, you have your fingers in so many things right now. I mean, do you have a sense of what kind of legacy you hope to to leave to either the community or your you know other family members or yeah um, working on that I am and with the writing academy one of the reasons that I created that because I wanted people to feel comfortable sharing their story a lot of people have the the people that I meet they've gone through so much whether they've gone through things like hurricanes, you know, we've had major hurricanes where people were literally trapped in mm-hmm. attics and houses and things of that nature. And I want to help people develop those stories. And so overall, my legacy, I want, you know, I want the academy to grow and I want it to be to where people feel comfortable coming in and sharing their stories and, you know, being more bold with self-publishing, the way it works in the self-publishing industry in most cases, people have amazing stories and they're like, well, that's okay. No one else want to hear that. That's, you know, not something someone will want to hear. And I want people to understand that their stories are so relevant. Even if you're like what you're doing right now, doing a podcast, you know, you should figure out a way to publish your story in some kind of shape, form, or fashion. So it doesn't always have to be a book. It mm-hmm. can be a podcast. It can be a blog. But share that story. And that's one of the reasons that I created this because, you know, my grandmother, for example, was an amazing woman, but I can't Google her, right? And I want more right. people to be able to Google what their grandparents done. You know, that's just one of the marks that I want to leave on life. Okay. And so in a sense, you know, one of one of the questions I was going to ask next was what advice do you have, you know, for people who, about thinking about their legacy, but in a sense you're doing that through the writing academy it sounds like. Yeah, so one of the the pieces of advice that I would have as far as leaving a legacy is just don't be afraid to just ruin up life. You know how people attempt to just walk on eggshells, ooh, I don't want to do that. I don't want people to see me. I don't want people to rock at me. I don't want people to make fun of me. But literally, just live your life. Live your life. And also, just understand that we were not created just to breathe air. We are here for a purpose. So what is that purpose? You know, the one thing that I share with the book, I always tell people that, you know, I have some people that will come to me and they're like, I just want to sell the book. That's all I want to do. And I have to remind them that their book is something to change the world. So when they figure out the puzzle (laughs) of how you change the world, then your books will automatically sell. Mm -hmm. It's not just about the book sale. It's about your story. One of the things that I realized is your story builds a community. People are drawn to stories. 
when I wrote this book about my mother, I had so many people like, thank you so much for sharing this story. Like it was so impactful. Oh my goodness. I had the same experience. Oh my goodness. I never cried and laughed at the same time so much, you know? And so your book is your legacy. Your book is your footprint. So if I could say anything to anyone out there, it's just live your life, live it to the fullest, and then write a book about what mm-hmm. you've done. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, hey, I'm I'm going to wrap us up a little bit, but is there anything that I didn't ask or anything else you wanted to share with listeners about legacy and kind of the way you view yourself or anything on the topics that we've covered today? So just mainly, if I can just leave a lasting word, I would say just get prepared mainly start thinking about the things that you don't want to happen in your life because they will happen regardless of what that may look like. Look like. Always think about, you know, the A and the B. You know, I like to see things, you know, all rosy even with flowers and everything like that. But just mainly understand that, you know, what you don't expect to happen will happen. So get yourself prepared, whether that's getting a financial advisor, whether that's, you know, talking with your bank, talking to an attorney, whatever that looks like for you, just take that next step and get yourself prepared for, you know, anything in the afterlife or the legacy world that you would probably say. Right. Just get yourself prepared because, you know, you'll feel a lot better when you face the things that you wouldn't normally face. I guess that's the way I should say it. All right. Well, thank you, Lynette, for joining us. Really appreciate it. This has been the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast. And uh, I know you're busy, so we'll let you get on to other things. And I'm sure we'll be (laughs) seeing you soon. Have a great uh, evening. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Have a wonderful day. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.